Hey, good morning or good evening. Whenever you're listening, welcome to the Hope Explained podcast, where we take a deep dive into what was left unsaid on Sunday morning and talk about anything else that we wanted to talk about. I'm joined on my opposite side here by my uh, lead pastor, Pastor Rick. Thanks What's for What's up? UCS, not much. <laughs> you bring some energy today. Yes. Um, so if you did not watch the sermon this last Sunday, I would invite you to go and do so. It was entitled Four Ways to Hinder God's Purpose in Your Life. Uh, we're partway through our series, our 12-part series in the book of Exodus. Um, and that was about Exodus 4. And Exodus has been fun. Yeah. Well, it, there's never a dull moment, like ever. I love book studies. Like Those are my absolute favorite when you just go through a book and dissect it and yeah, this is like, I mean, it's like exciting event after exciting event after exciting event. Well, and I imagine with these with, with these stories, these sermons, um, I imagine you have had to leave quite a bit on the cutting room floor because you're not only talking about like the way it applies to us, but like we're leaving out so much actual raw story too. Yeah, I mean, Exodus is a, we could take two years and go through, you know, verse by verse through Exodus. So, yeah, we're leaving out a lot, but we're trying to, even in the stuff we're leaving out, we're trying to um, kind of, you know, sum up those chapters that we are missing. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I think we're hitting all the high points. There's so many amazing high points. We're hitting all the big ones, like this Sunday is going to be the 10 plagues. And, mm-hmm. you know, while we're not going to outline each specific plague, you know, there's a common theme to the entire story. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's been exciting. It's a great, great study. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh, two days ago, you talked about Exodus 4. I think a really good jumping off point was uh, at the very top of the sermon, you talked about how you simply did not like <laughs> excuses, um, that they, they get under your skin. And that kind of segues well into the story of Moses. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. I mean, I, I received um, some comments um, about that, but a lot of people agreeing with me, especially a lot of business leaders, about a lot of bosses. It, it just amazes people. It seems like our culture is, it's like an epidemic mm. where, um, and I probably every, gen, every generation feels this, that the younger generation is like this, but it just seems like every, like nobody can take responsibility for anything. It's it's, I have, you know, it's my parents' fault. It's this, or I have this diagnosis, or not that diagnosis are, some are legitimate, but I really think that a lot of them are just to give us an excuse mm-hmm. to be lazy or an excuse to not do the right thing or to be disrespectful, whatever it might be. But it just seems like it's an epidemic where nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. And we will never grow, not only as Christians, but as human beings, um, until we start being fully accountable. And the reality is this, where we are is a result of our choices. Where we are, it's not your parents' fault. It's not teacher's fault. It's not the environment you grew up in's fault. Now, those things can play into those things, but we all know people that come from horrible environments and do amazing things. And we all know people who come from amazing environments and end up going nowhere in life. And so, yeah, those things do play in to where we're at. But at the end of the day, we are where we are because of the choices that we make in life. We can't affect, we can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we 
react. A hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. And we see that super clearly in, in the very beginning of this story with Moses, because I mean, <laughs> you've got God who approaches him and, and, and tells him, this is what's going to happen. He shows him signs. And even then somebody who is talking directly with God, we still only hear excuses. Yeah. And he, I mean, he lived a life of luxury growing up and he had all the perks and everything. And yeah, he's, you know, he's clearly making a bunch of excuses on why he can't do something that God wants him to do. And a lot of that is because of his choices. He's making excuses because, you know, he clearly regrets what he did. He knows what he did was wrong. He is running from his calling and running from what God has for him. That's why he ran off to the Arabian desert in the middle of nowhere and, you know, and yeah, he's using all of that as an excuse to not um, basically get back up again and do what God created him to do. Mm. And and the interesting thing with with Moses is, is in that moment, you were talking about, you know, he, he kept on giving slightly different excuses until the real reason came out mm-hmm. because he was afraid because of this and that. And... And fear is, you said it towards the end, fear is a faith killer. And we'll circle back to that. And uh, But the thing is, one of the things I want to point out is you said Moses is stressing about something that hasn't even happened. He's assuming, which is what most worry is anyways, because he kept on talking about, oh, what if the Israelites don't believe me? What if this? What if that? And one of the things that I drew from that was I asked the question, how many times do we hold on to things that are of no consequence? Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes beyond just getting in our own heads. How many times have we done something and then held on to it thinking that somebody else holds that against us mm-hmm. or whatever, when in reality they let go of it a long time before we did. Well, and isn't, I mean, haven't we seen this in all of our lives where we're worried about something and it never ends up happening? Mm. You know, we stress and we worry about something that is just made up in our minds. And, and, but that's what happens. You know, I think, especially when we have kind of a guilty conscience with what Moses did, he's creating all these scenarios to try to keep from really the real reason, which he just doesn't want to do it. Um, he's creating all these scenarios in his mind that hasn't even happened. And I think a lot of times we do that to ourselves um, where we start making all these excuses on why we can't be great and why God can't do great things through us. And it's all just a bunch of excuses. But at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, most of those things that we're scared of never happen. Mm. Yeah. And I think I really liked what you said right after that was because, it's irrespective of whether or not you actually want to do it or whether or not you're afraid to do it or whether or not you have excuses is you said, if you're still breathing, God has not given up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, because with, with Moses, we can see somebody who's reluctant to do it. But then you also have the case of somebody who, who has a legitimately guilty conscience and they feel like they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And for me, my mind immediately went back to this sermon that I heard from, from pastor Jeremiah where he was. He said that basically, if if you're in God's will, you're indestructible. Now, obviously, he wasn't saying that you could that you that you can't die. Yeah. But if you, if you're still breathing, there's always the chance to step back into what God has in store for you. It's not over for you. It's not. And I mean, we sing a song. There's you know a song that we sing. You know, um, if I'm not dead, then God's not done. And I believe that with all my heart that if we 
um, even after Moses' biggest failure, a massive mistake, um, sure, he paid for it in a lot of ways, but God wasn't finished with him. Mm-hmm. Moses was done with himself, I think, because he was kind of content to be a shepherd, but God clearly was not finished with Moses. And and um, I think it's easy for us to hide. We, we see this. We talked about Samson a few weeks ago. When Samson made a major mistake, he went into a cave and hid. You know, we do that a lot. We hide because we know we made a mistake. We know we messed up. But at the end of the day, if God hasn't brought us home, then we have a purpose to fulfill. Yeah. And I, th- I and I think that should be encouragement to anybody who has had a massive failure or a season of their life where they just completely went against the Lord. If you're still here, God's got a plan. And I do believe what Pastor Jeremiah said. There's nothing more powerful than a person that is devoted to the Lord that is living in the middle of God's will, accomplishing God's purpose. Mm. And I think nothing can stop that other than the Lord himself. Right. Like nothing can stop it. Mm. And we see this with Moses and all that God asked him to do over the next several chapters we'll look at. Mm. Uh, something else that you said was, was Moses, you've let, uh, uh, Mo, uh, <laughs> Moses, you have to let go of your past, let go of your mm. stubbornness. You need to let go of your plan for your life. You need to throw that down. And and you were talking about in this example how how the staff that he held, the shepherd's staff, was a symbol of where he was, where he came from, what he had done. And it was a it was a symbol of everything that his life had become because he was trying to pilot it on his own. And and for me that resonated simply because as you pointed out, there's comfort in that identity, even if it's a shameful one. And like you talked about at the top, um, I think it resonates with the idea of that victim mentality where, where people hold latch onto things over time, not because it gives them an excuse, Mm. but because of that comfortability of what they know. Right. Yeah. I think when you blow it, trying again is difficult. Mm. It really is because, you know, you have all the shame and then you have other people's perception and then you have, um, you know, like a missed opportunity and what could have been. And I think for Moses, and I think this is a powerful message for all of us. This is, gosh, I think it's so important because I think I mentioned Sunday that, that all of us have blown it at some point in our lives. All of us have. And, and for Moses, you know, that staff, I see him just, he's content with being a shepherd. God is like, no, I have greater things in store for you. And, you know, the Lord asked him to do three things. He said, I want you to take your staff and I want you to throw it down. And then he said, I want you to take your hand and put it in your cloak. And then he said, I want you to take water and put it on the ground. And and to me, what kept going through my head was, was okay, Moses, um, your choices have got you where you're at. And that's what that brings. A stick in your hand is a stick. Mm-hmm. It's mediocrity. It's less. It's not my plan. It's not my purpose. But when you throw that thing down, you know, and it became a serpent. When you throw it down and you surrender to me and you give it to me, I can make what you have far more powerful than what you can in your own hand. Hmm. And the same thing with, you know, Moses in control of his life, putting his hand in his shirt, it becomes diseased and white. And, and some, a lot of scholars feel like it became, it had leprosy. It became like a leper's hand mm. is what it was. And then that's an example of like when we're in control of our lives and we do what we want to do 
and we kind of push God aside, look at like what Moses did, that's what our life becomes. It becomes diseased. Um, we, we're not fulfilling God's purpose, but when we put it back in and we let God take control, then it's beautiful and it's strong and it's the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. The same thing with the water in our hands is just water. God took that water and when he told Moses to put it in the dirt, in the sand, it becomes blood. And so when we take what we have and we lay it down and we surrender to the Lord, um, God can make what we have um, far more powerful and far greater than, than what, what we can do on our own. And I think we have to do that sometimes to move forward. We have to forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we accept God's forgiveness, but we don't forgive ourselves Man, I lived in that for a long time. I knew God had forgiven me for th- for certain things, but I had never forgiven myself. And I think when we surrender and we lay that down at the uh, at the Lord's feet, um, we're forgiving ourselves and we're allowing ourselves to get back up again and to try again. Yeah. And thank God that Moses did. He didn't want to, but thank God that he did. Yeah. Well, and and like you were saying, it you can't do. You can't make any of that progress until you've forgiven yourself because, you know, God's forgiven you. And and that goes directly into what you're talking about where people have a lack of self-belief, mm. right? Because I struggled with this point. Did you? Yeah, because I didn't want people to take it the wrong way, mm. you know, because, you know, we're always taught it's all the Lord, it's all the Lord, it's all the Lord, it's all the Lord. Well, it is. But we also have to believe in ourselves. We have to believe in God through us, mm-hmm. God in us. Can I tell a story real quick? So so when I was at Shadow Mountain, you know, I, I was away from ministry for like five years. I went from preaching, you know, five services a Sunday, and I hadn't preached in, you know, four or five years. And when I was on staff at Shadow, you don't really get to teach because Dr. Jeremiah is a legend. Um, but I, I was asked to speak at... Um, a men's get gathering, I think, was it Tuesday or Thursday nights? Your dad was a big part yeah, of it. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Yeah, two, two, Tuesday nights, and there's, you know, a men's gathering at Shadows, like five, 600 men. And then you also, you have like, you know, um, all these incredible men on staff that, you know, um, Ray and and what was the the um, the older guy who brought a Greek Bible to church who was in charge of the seminary. Do you remember his name? Oh, Dr. Coombs. Yes. You have Dr. Coombs, who's basically a theologian. And so, like, I'm on my way, and I didn't know if Pastor Jeremiah was going to be there. You have Brian there. You have all these high-level guys. And I hadn't preached in five years. And there are four uh, – yeah, it was like five years at that – over five years at that time, probably six years. And I was on my way to that men's – thing on 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 Tuesday night and I was so scared and I was like man I, I can't do this and when I pulled in the parking lot something came into my head and it really changed my because I had no confidence and and I pulled in the parking lot I was talking I was talking to somebody on the phone the the, the way there because I was so stressed about it and I pulled in that 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 parking lot, and I don't know if this is me or that I feel it was it was it was from the Lord, but I said to myself, you know what, you're a stinking professional. Like you've done this for years. Like you know what you're doing. Like you're 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 a professional. This is what you've done for a living. Yeah. You know, suck it up and do a great job. And so I I think having that self belief is important. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to believe in ourselves and believe in you know it, it's not our power, it's not our strength. 
but we have to believe in ourselves and have the confidence of God in us. And I'm, you know, and I put the scripture in there where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens who? Me. Like the Lord uses us. And so I think having that self-belief, which Moses had no self-belief at all, and a lot of it was tied to his mistakes. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's perfectly it because God doesn't, God doesn't just choose his will and put it into the vacuum. Yeah. He chooses people for yeah. his will. Yes. And, and for you in that moment, he chose you for that part. And I think that that's part of where we have to bring that comfort from where like with Moses, he knew what he did wrong and it sh- for him, it should have been, Oh wow, God, you're making a mistake choosing me. It's, I wonder why he's choosing me. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and on top of that, I think that it's part of those inabilities. It, w- one thing that you wrote was, it's not about my inabilities. It's about God working through me. Mm. And, and beyond that though, it's, I think that not inabilities, but maybe parts of our past. That's why he chose, like you said, uh, he chose Moses par- partly for his passion to free his mm. people. Um, I mean, think of the confidence that it takes for like, Peter, Paul, to literally go up to a person and heal them in the name of Jesus. Mm. Like that takes some confidence. I mean, and to preach like Peter did before thousands and these religious leaders, like it takes confidence. And and so, you know, the Lord wants us to live a victorious life, not a defeated life. And we can't walk around, woe is me, I can't do nothing. You know, how are we going to defeat the powers of Satan if we don't believe in God's power through us and have some belief in ourselves? And so I think it's a, you know, I think it's a, it's a balance mm. where we believe in ourselves, but we also know that that strength, that power, those gifts that we have are from the Lord and they're really nothing without the empowerment of the Lord. Right. Yeah. And so uh, one last thing that I wanted to wrap up on was uh, the idea that fear is a faith killer that that fear is what what blocks god's purpose in our lives at times um and nowhere is that more evident than in this interaction between god and moses simply because fear is what caused moses to think about himself rather than the people he was being called to free right because something that you talked about right before the podcast with me was the idea that that you know, what if, what if Moses had continued to say no? Mm. Um, What would that have done to so many people? Well, just think about this. Okay. We, a lot of times when we think about God's calling, God's will, it's always about me. This is God's will for my life. This is God's purpose for my life. And this is the perspective Moses had. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But God was trying to, I think, convey this message that Moses, it's not about you. Who made your mouth? It's not about you. Moses, whether he, this is huge, whether Moses decides to submit to God's plan and be the person God called him to be or not, is going to impact over a million people. There were, most theologians estimate, well over a million Israelites living in Egypt at the time. And they were all enslaved, not to mention the babies were being killed. So Moses fulfilling God's plan wasn't just about him. It was 
partially because of him, because God was going to use him. But whether he followed God's plan or not was going to impact well over a million people, not to mention generations to come. Hmm. And so we have to get into this mindset that living in God's will, fulfilling God's purpose in my life is not just about me. It could impact my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. It can impact people in my community, people at my job, people in my neighborhood, people that God has given me influence with, my family. It can impact a lot of people. And who knows how God's going to—like, think of Billy Graham. Like, Mm. what if he wouldn't have impacted—what if he wouldn't have fulfilled God's will? Do you think he ever dreamed he would be preaching before millions and millions of people all over the world? Probably not. But what if he didn't fulfill God's calling? And so our calling is not just about us. It's about other people as well. And if we allow fear, um, which is really lack of self-belief and lack of God's belief in God's power through me, Mm. um, if I don't fulfill God's purpose, if I don't fulfill his will, not only is it impacting me, but it's impacting other people. Yeah. All right. That's couldn't have said it better myself. Do you have anything else that you wanted to hit on? You know, I I think the big takeaway from this week is because um, at the end of the day, Moses' real excuse was, was I don't want to do it. Mm. And so I think the big takeaway from this week is, is, um, is this, God, help me to do what I need to do and help me to be willing to do whatever you call me to do. No matter what, even if it doesn't make sense, even if I think it's too big of a task, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and discipline, Mm -hmm. which is what it takes to fulfill massive tasks that God has for us. Well, Pastor Rick, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Yes, we have have the 10 plagues this week. We do, and I... Gotta tell you guys, you don't want to miss this week. Somebody is going to be helping me preach the sermon this week. This is true. We will not reveal <laughs> this person's name. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's they may the be in this room. Mystery preacher. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we've got the ten plagues coming up, and we would love to invite you to church this Sunday. We are on two seven two zero Olympic Parkway. Uh, service times are at nine ten thirty and Spanish at twelve thirty. And also in a couple weeks, we've got Mom Fest, mm. which you aren't going to want to miss. We're going to have a Mom Mosas, Mom Mosas. Uh, we are going to have cupcakes. We're going to party. It's going to be a good time. We party at New Hope. Yes, we do. Oh, Thursday, if you're not busy, Thursday, be here at the campus at six o'clock. That's right. National Day of Prayer. We're going to be praying. It's going to be awesome. So, but yeah, we're going to party. Mm-hmm. We party like no other. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Bye.